Blog Talk Radio. Black women, let me talk to you a moment. Y'all all right? This is music, man. I'm not trying to. This ain't no, I ain't giving no lecture. Black women are the most disrespected women on the planet. But ironically, they quite literally. Many of you don't know slavery. Birth all of humanity. That we do not understand the value of what we have here. Most disrespected. These hate pussy too much. I want you to think about yourself. Disrespected. Too much pussy. Because there is so much value in each one of you. Birth all of humanity. That if you do not come to the realization of who you are. Then you will never realize what you should expect from yourself and from others. I'm sorry, bitch, that came out. You say pussy too much. Do you know who you are? B I T C A. No, you don't. Do you think that you are measurement? Twenty-three and thirty-six. What does that mean to you? You got a fine frame. So what does that make you? Does that make you a thing? What you want me to talk about? The world? You've been reduced. He say pussy too much. To To a thing. To a piece of meat. And just like a wise person that goes to a meat store. I tell y'all, know what was on. Says, bring that meat out. Let me see what I'm getting here. Too much and you turn it over. Turn it over. He too much. Now that's the one I want. Weigh it up. I'll take it. This is what women. Women have become. Women are too important. To be allowed to be degenerate. They're suspected. Nasty bitch and shit like that. She is created by the creator in such a magnificent way that she is a replication of the womb of creation. They're suspected. Woman is the replication of the womb out of which Allah said be and created sun, moon, stars, and all things. But from the womb of a woman, you can produce a Jesus, a Muhammad, and a God. It's up to you. Black women are the most disrespected woman on the planet. But ironically, there will never be respect for life. Quite literally. Until we respect the womb. Birth all of you. And 
as long as women are used and abused in any society, as long as women are denied their proper and rightful place, then men will never be what we should be. That's why most rulers in the world, their aim is always to crush your man and then take you over and make you there so that you will reflect them rather than the God who you are naturally born. Our power to the people, our power to the people. This is the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination. I'm National Chairman of the Yanga Nkrumah, National Director of Operations, Sister Seven Khadija. I'm the National Chief of Staff, Brother Robert War. And today, we got, of course, the Panther 48, Brother E and Brother Syke, who always join me. Guests, if you want to call in to be a part of this uh, discussion, you can call us directly at 323-870-4191. Press 1 to be placed into the queue. In today's show, what we're talking about is the projected dehumanization plan against African parenthood. Let me say that again, the projected dehumanization plan against African parenthood. And this is real important today because oftentimes we do everything we can to really not address this issue and not address the underlining conditions which actually lead to the fallout that we have as the African people within the unification of the family, having a complete structure that allows us, especially the men, all the women, we just say it like that, as individuals going out into the community to make a difference in this world, having a stronghold, a place to basically re-energize, a place to establish a foundation that will create the continuity that's necessary for us to achieve our greatness and continue forward in a better position than we were the day before as African people. So with that being said, I want to turn the floor over first to Brother E to go ahead and um, jump in with his part, and then we'll double back down. Go ahead, Brother E. All right. Appreciate it, bro. Um, before I move forward, I want to ask you, wanna ask you a question. Um, what, I guess, today, well, 2018 this is the most recent uh, year that they have records or, or whatever, but for the most part, currently, what is the most common form of birth control? Sight, war? Anybody I could not answer that. I would, I would just say the most common I, thing that I'm, I'm old school. I, I, all I know about is condoms. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I can't really say. I've never looked into, the, looked into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. The most common form of uh, birth control. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to circle back around to that, but I want to quote, quote, we do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population 
and the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. This is a quote from a little white woman named Margaret Sanger. Now, back around in the, in the 19th century, um, there was a cat named uh, Thomas Malthus. Malthus. I hate the way his, work, his name is spelled. Malthus. Thomas Malthus. He was this, uh, this eugenicist. And um, eugenics, as a side note, was a, a fundamental. Eugenics is made up of, of two Greek roots, um, eugenics, it means uh, well-born or good-born. So eugenics is simply this idea of, of weeding out the less wanted or less popular um, uh, elements, uh, traits, genes in, in a society. This cat, uh, eugenicists in general were, are, uh, notoriously um, uh, uh, racist. Um, but Malthusian, or the, the, the strain of genetic uh, uh, eugenics that um, was tailored or split off or developed cat named Robert Malthus, was even more so outright, overtly uh, racist, wanting to get rid of the unwanted traits within a society those unwanted traits, obviously, being us. Um, Margaret Sanger was one of his, um, what do you call it, disciples, more or less. She was a follower of his ideology, uh, professed, used to write uh, for newsletters and whatnot. This is in the, the, the beginning of um, the 1900s um, um, and, and on into the 1900s, um, 1915, 1920, 30, up to there. Uh, would write for a newsletter that was essentially a, a, a newsletter for eugenicists and, and getting their ideas on on the control of the po- of population control out to the masses. Um, again, her quote essentially being, you know, don't want want to get out because we want to exterminate the Negro. Um, and the black minister is a man to basically do what ministers have been historically used for in the black community, which is keep us under control to that idea of across our minds. So in the 30s, she set up this uh, program, uh, which at the time was called the Negro Project. It was up in Harlem, New York. And the idea or the way that it was presented was that birth control methods could be used to weed out, even amongst the black folks, those traits and personalities, you know, uh, uh, thieves and uh, loose morals and uh, imbeciles and degenerates. You can weed all of those folks out using our methods. Um, that way it would improve your race and improve your uh, uh, standard of life. That was the line that was given. And she was real effective. You know, this is what the the, Harlem, the, um, the Negro Project in Harlem was based on was these ideas. It was her baby. She pushed for it, got it funded, got it supported, reached fortunately to the black the so-called black elite in this country, and I say unfortunately because she found quite a bit of support amongst the black church for the Negro Project. She found a lot of support amongst uh, the black elite. W.E.B. Du Bois supported her. Uh, Mary McLeod Bethune supported her. Adam Clayton Powell supported her. All of these folks went to the black community, other uh, African people, in our community, 
in an attempt to get uh, to shore up uh, support for her programs. Again, she would come in with the nice guy face on, with the the, the grinning at you, so that even or, or showing her teeth, so that even though uh, you saw her teeth, she was so nice and pleasant, you didn't realize she was about to take a bite. You thought she was just smiling at you. This is the the kind of cover that you know Europeans come in with a lot of times, and she did the same, especially by employing our own people in support of her program. But remember, that, that ideology, eugenics itself, is, is is racist in its nature, but the the, uh, the, 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 the ideology specifically that she had, uh, held to, the Malthusian eugenics, was even more so and overtly. So um, over the years, she was able to gain support from the black church. She was able to have rallies and, and get programs and whatnot in Harlem and then later on in uh, a couple of southern states as the Negro Project began to, to spread out. And over a period of time, this Negro Project would change its name, again, because of the politics, because it's not PC, because you no longer want it to be overt. Um, it changed its name from the Negro Project. It became Planned Parenthood. Um, and so effective was Planned Parenthood, so effective was Sanger and her cohorts and, and all of this, that even Dr. King, when he was awarded the Sanger Award, forget the year, but when he was, there's an award for folks that, do great uh, work in civil rights and blah, 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 given out by Planned Parenthood and, and all of these cats. And they awarded it to Dr. King one year. He wasn't able to attend it because he was working on the Chicago uh, Chicago Freedom Ride. Um, so Coretta went and gave a speech in his place. And in that, in that, um, in that speech, um, he, he gave respect and props to Sanger and her, her work in our community. So either he didn't know or he knew, but something else was going on. I don't know. I just know that he gave props to this woman and her program and what it was doing in our community. And probably the most detrimental thing about it is that abortion rights have become so intertwined with civil rights. That civil rights, that, 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 that the right to have an abortion gets lumped in when that whole idea is not even something that we as a community and our right minds even buy into. So to, to kind of to, to double back on the question that I asked you all, the most common, the most popular form of birth control still today that you and this country is sterilization. And when you hear sterilization, think the black woman. Tubalization, you know, they burn them in time and crippling them, all of that. So the sterilization of our people continues. And if you notice, Planned Parenthood is in our community, not in the white community, still, where it started out with the legal project is in our community, not their community, and it stayed there. So under the guise of Planned Parenthood and we're trying to help make things better and the woman's right to her body and blah, 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 this process continues on of sterilizing and controlling our population. And, in fact, there are even, there are a number of women who have started coming out. And this is 
kind of a tangent but related with the whole immigration with these uh, families that are coming and crossing are being held in, 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 you know, these ICE detention camps and whatnot. There's a whole lot of women coming out and saying that they've been sterilized against their will, which was another trait of, of, of the eugenicist movement and Planned Parenthood and all that over the years from the beginning of the, 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 um, the um, Negro project up until modern times around, I think, 77 is when it was actually uh, ruled illegal to do so. But at least up until that time, women, it was natural. It was not natural. It was commonplace for sisters, especially, to be sterilized in these centers or to doctors without their consent. So if uh, uh, someone decided that she was not fit and filed the proper paperwork, she could be sterilized against her will. So, again, to emphasize sterilization to this day, and when you hear sterilization, you think black woman because black men just, you know, it's not our thing to go in and have any type of that surgery at all done. But sterilization of sisters is still the most common form of birth control in this country. And so that just feeds into when we hear phrases like, you know, uh, uh, the downtrodden or the least of the uh, those in our community who are not, um, who are not uh, 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 wanted as much, those who are derelict, those who are imbeciles, we want to improve the race, we want to develop and all of that, those are cold. Those are cold words like so many other cold words, letting us know that what they're really saying is we want to get rid of y'all because ultimately you all are the least desirable component within a society. And Planned Parenthood, like so many others here in the past year, especially, but in recent times, has attempted to distance itself from Margaret Sanger, at least cosmetically, removing her name from literature, trying to sterilize it, making it look like it never happened, much the same as knocking down statues and whatnot. Just remove the name, the philosophy and the idea is still there, and that's the control of population without, within our community giving that control of our population, rather than making the conditions in our community better, rather than developing programs and ideas and, and, and things that will uh, improve our situation, no, let's just kill part of the population. Let's just kill off that. Europeans, as always, have to be the ones who are in control of that. So um, I'm going to uh, pass it back to, to you, War, to, to build off of that. And, yeah. <laughs> All right, let me say this. I I want to um, first like just announcing the definition. So the definition of sterilization, a process used to make a person unable to produce offspring. But when I think about that, unable to produce offspring, to me I want to go back into the concept of the family structure. And then this is going to be a touch and go as well as a touchy subject. Because from that standpoint, when we say unable to produce offspring, when you talk about the definition of the family structure, let's go into that. What's the difference between a family that basically can reproduce offspring or a family that is just simply defined as two people bonding that love each other, like a marriage. In other words, the difference between a family as it applies to reproduction and a couple. So from that standpoint, 
you have the legality of two people bonding together for the sake of being able to be considered one or yoking. That's a marriage. But the underlying concept of a marriage has to do with producing offspring. The idea is two people come together, they bond, and then they carry on through their offspring and create a condition through the family unit that also continues the process of the replication. The replication goes right back to what we're talking about as it applies to the projected dehumanization plan against African parenthood because the environment in which that child is raised or born into is now when we get into the parenthood aspect. So what does it mean when we talk about parenthood, African parenthood, versus any other type of parenthood? Also, what does it mean to get into the concept, going back to sterilization, weaponize, basically what he is talking about, weaponize and talk about how you create uh, a situation to where marriage can be accepted and not be defined as the concept of raising a in a child in an environment, whether it be a natural child or, or adopted child or whatever, but raising a child, creating a bond for the sake of raising a child, for the sake of adding to the propagation or the continuation of the African race from that standpoint. So then we have to go into defining, well, what is the best condition or the righteous condition from which you produce parenthood? What is it that actually defines a reproductive cycle or a continuation-like cycle? Let's just say that we use the word continuity. What we want to talk about is the continuity of the African race from that standpoint. So we want to be specific today because at the same time, the idea of Planned Parenthood, the idea of sterilization applies across the grid to any race of people, ethnic people, because we're dealing with two different things now. From that standpoint, the discussion can go in the idea of population control all the way around, or it can go into the idea of selected population control to eradicate or to slow down or to weaken the pace of a particular ethnic race or background. And as that applies, when you look at things from a statistical level, the more you're able to weaken a specific race or a specific target, period, let's just, we can leave it broad and just say target, the chances are, statistically, that specific targeted population will be hindered by the fact that it is not able to reproduce and not able to continue to carry on the legacy. So from that standpoint, dealing with the plan or the projected plan to dehumanize, I mean, uh, dehumanization plan against African people, sterilization itself not only has to do with the physical childbearing or preventing the process of a child, but even from the standpoint of the environment to which a child would be born or raised or brought up in. So the sterilization itself ain't necessarily just a physical apparatus. And that's what I want to try to expand the horizon in terms of the the discussion that we're we're going into. Because it's one, to deal with it from the idea of of instruments used to prevent you from from having a positive or a a live reproductive 
system or the eradication of a seed, you know, uh, from the, the, the fetus, so to speak, or, uh, you know, dealing with abortion, as well as addressing the fact that we could be talking about you having a child, you burn a child, but the condition in which that child is raised in is sterilized to the point to where the African mind or the way of life is not conducive to giving that that family unit or that parenthood environment an opportunity to excel to be able to add to or bring forth a greater level of accomplishment within that family structure or within that ethnic group. So to me, when we talk about sterilization, weaponized sterilization, you have to, you open up the whole gambit of, of, of the situation. It's not just that one aspect. So from that standpoint, the family structure is allowed to be redefined, which creates the weaponization of the family itself. So then at that point, now you're turning the family against itself for the sake of population control and targeted population control. And that way, doing it in, in, in that essence is a lot easier because when you talk about sterilization, you could be basically talking about from a physical level, you could be basically talking about individual uh, targets, or you could be talking about a mindset that would lean people towards controlling the amount of reproduct- reproduction that, you know, that they, they bring into their family unit. Talk about sterilizing the mind, and you start talking about sterilizing the condition to make it unconducive, non-conducive to bring about a greater or an enhanced DNA structure of sequence now we're on a whole different level. Now, more, more than likely, the people don't even see it coming necessarily because they're caught up in the exploitation of comfort. And a lot of times, comfort is often exchanged for our freedoms. When we talk about that, we're also people keep in mind it's not just a physical freedom or it's not just a physical aspect to that, but it's a mental and spiritual aspect as well and psychological aspect as well. So from that standpoint, when we exchange physical comforts or, or, or emotional well-beings or environments just to say, hey, two people love each other, regardless of their – I hate to go here, but I got to go here. Regardless of their sexual orientation, does that oh, shit. enhance oh, or does that bring about a possible – Weaponized sterilization, or does it, and does it enhance the ability to be able to deal with the roles that the parenthood play? Because keep in mind, when we talk about equality within the genders, there is a level of of, of relationship that we all have to recognize that there is no such thing as e- equality, because to some degree. A man is a man, and to some degree, a woman is a woman for a given reason. There, when you talk about the natural world and you talk about the role that a woman or a female gender would play within the, the, the bearing of a child and the role that the masculinity would play in the bearing of a child, they, there are distinctions. Now, in terms of the equality as it applies to the human race, that does not mean that one is 
supposed to be dominated and over the other. The equality comes in the recognition that it takes both femininity to to bring the proper balance and process to the situation, to the forefront. That's the equality. Equality is recognizing it, it takes two, and they're both as equally important in the process. That goes into the idea of what I'm talking about when I say a balance or a, a parenthood that creates a conducive environment for a child to be able to what? Bring that, that, um, bring that life or bring that lineage, that, let's just say that lineage, into a higher position to what, what was going on before. And so every time, just you just look at that from a natural, natural concept. Things in the world either adapt, enhance themselves, or they become extinct and die off. So that's a form of sterilization. Either you learn to adapt to your situation, or you die off. So when we produce children, when we produce offspring, the offspring themselves are supposed to be able to come into this environment, adapt to the environment, and go beyond what its predecessor did with this environment. In other words, it's an evolution. It's a process. It's a position of enhancement on top of a foundation that is already laid. If it was not that way, then what would happen is Humanity would be de-evolving. Humanity would be declining and not increasing with every generation. And we're at the point to where we're, st- we're dealing with a situation where humanity is definitely on the increase, period, point blank. Right around the Industrial Revolution, it just shot up like, like crazy. And we're, in t- and we're in the, obviously in the billions, getting ready to, get, to hit the, the double digits here pretty soon. So from that standpoint, the weaponized aspect of sterilization could be a tool, a considered a necessity or necessary tool for the sake of balancing out the humanity as it applies to the rest of the life forms on this planet. But at the same time, how do you go about doing that to be be the most effective uh, in, in reference to all of the different tactics that can be used and, and, and aspects that can be used to deal with sterilization. So you want to address it me- physically, mentally, spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, whatever way you can. When you are at war, you have to come at your enemy with all out, any, every way possible. So we cannot limit our thought pattern to just one specific tactic or one specific type of sterilization. So the idea on where I'm going with this is just to open up the discussion for the recognition that sterilization plays a major, vast study in itself, in science into itself. To look at sterilization as a science in a building platform unto itself as it goes into warfare and determining the rate at which a population or a species or a subspecies or a human type period can be controlled and manipulated to affect future generations. That way, other generations or other species or other uh, uh, subspecies or or cultures or so, so on and so forth will have the ability to get ahead of that one in which you are targeting. 
naturally. So I'm going to end it with that for right now. Psych E, are y'all there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, to, 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 to add into, um, you know, they're called baby-making hits for a reason. Um, you know, that phrase. You know, y'all can act like you ain't never heard that phrase before. You know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, the fact alone that the creation of the next generation is an intimately connected concept with the black or African community means that if you remove that ability, the woman is not able to do that. It has an effect on, on that attraction, on that connection. Um, so just removing that creates that, creates a distance, creates an inability of, of uh, between uh, a man and a woman to be able to connect in a particular way. Um, so adding that into the mix, along with the idea that y'all remember in the Matrix, Agent Smith, out-of-control um, reproduction that, that he experienced once his purpose was removed. So once this idea of purpose is removed from a relationship, and when I say relationship here, I don't mean necessarily, you know, the boyfriend or girlfriend or that's my woman, anything, a relationship on the most fundamental level of, of two people interacting. When you remove that purpose from between a man and a woman, then that's exactly what happens, and that's exactly what has happened. You know, if we're not agent committed at this part, at this point where we're just simply reproducing because it just happens. You know, we do the thing, and it happens with no concern. There's no purpose behind sex. There's no purpose, no intent, no point in having sex other than that immediate moment also becomes a part of the overall um, destruction, of the overall um, attack on parenthood, because it just builds on that idea back in so-called slave times when, um, um, you know, you had the, the brother that was taken from plantation to plantation and basically hold out to, to, to each, uh, you know, to, to, to various women to, to birth more stocks. To, to replenish the the the, the, the um yeah, inventory if you would. Uh so just that idea sex itself, sex on the physical level as well as, you know, sex the the mental and spiritual and all of those things, but just sex as being an interaction between the yin and the yang, the male and the female, becomes weaponized. And that in itself uh is is a part of the attack. So I think all of it tends to play together in ways that were intended as well as ways that were not intended, that weren't understood, but no, 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 but no less have had a great effect on the community um, in ways that they, they weren't able to predict. Um, and were you still boring? That was a lot of good information. That you <laughs> <heard about. laughs> Sight, what you got? Hey, well, I, I, you was you was uh, talking about the weaponization of this tactic. Uh, this is what I would like. I would like you to go into details of that 
in, in the form, you, you're saying that this is a weapon, like a gun or a knife. And so I want you to explain what you mean by weaponization of this technique and why. Because usually when you pull out a gun or some, on somebody, it's because either you feel like you need to defend yourself from them or you need to eliminate them because they're taking uh, uh, an advantage that you feel like you deserve in some way, form, or fashion. So I would like you to explain that aspect of this technique as a weapon and what you mean by weaponization. Well, I would say, the technique of Planned Parenthood, period, the, the uh, topic of the discussion. Well, the, the idea as far as the topic of the discussion was Planned Parenthood as a, a concept, an idea not necessarily just confined to the, the clinic, but certainly when you place, when, when you have the, the whole purpose of Planned Parenthood is to control population. It's to develop, to instill and develop ways uh, in, in, to, to, to um, attack your enemy, essentially. When they're placed in our communities, you know, they're, from the Europeans' point of view, they planted those uh, uh, clinics behind enemy lines. They put them in our communities. So when you have these communities that promote things like sterilization and the idea of abortion, and when you have when you have uh, Planned Parenthood as an organization going in and uh, convincing uh, black leadership, you know, to and I don't mean just you know the average cat in the hood. I mean cats like like I said, Du Bois and and Bethune and Clayton Powell and these cats working to further entrench these veiled ideas of Planned Parenthood within our community, and then on top of that, to this day. The idea of abortion being debated in our communities is not something that should even happen. That's not that's not that's not what we do. You know, the, the taking of a life, regardless of whether it's out, whether it's inside. And I'm not judging anybody. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. That's your decision. That's your call. But from an African perspective, taking that life, even though it's a, a zygote, an embryo, whatever is not something that we do. That's not something that is, uh, 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 you know, is, is, um, goes along with our mindset and our thinking. So just taking these ideas of, of separating the man from the woman in terms of the marriage no longer being the unification of, you know, this family and that family uh, coming together to build the next generation to continue to expand and all of that, Taking one's sexual identity, you know, if and why you have to bring this up, boy? It's the Lord. So, did you, did you put your two cents on? I'm gonna go ahead and put mine through it. Homosexuality is about sex. Period. It's nothing to do with love. It's nothing to do with any of those grand things that they use to try to make it acceptable. To other people, it has to do with sex, homosexuality, not homo love duality, homosexuality it has to do with sex. And if that's your thing, that's your thing. I don't care, don't want to know, not my business who you have sex with. And that's something that the gay community used to say it's my business who I sleep with. Now it's all in your face, you got to accept who I sleep with. Oh, no, I don't. So, but it's one thing when it's something that you do. Behind closed doors, you and your partner, okay, whatever, that's your fetish, you do your thing. 
But when you go and begin to redefine the concept of a family, when you go and begin to affect the male-female, the yin and yang dynamic that was that is in place for a reason, you cannot you cannot you can put two mounds of yin, two take two clumps of dirt, put them in a bowl together for six thousand years, nothing will ever grow. You can take two seeds, same plant seeds, put those seeds in a bowl next to each other, sit there, watch them for 10,000 years, they'll never germinate. You must take the seed of the, the yang and place it within the womb of the yin in order for life to come into being. And that's manifest on the mental, physical, spiritual, on every level. It takes the yin and the yang to, to create, to cultivate, to nurture, to develop that life. So it's there for a reason. So when you take that lifestyle or you take that, that fetish and turn it into a lifestyle, they take your preference and turn it into a lifestyle, then you begin to affect the whole family dynamic. And that's probably the greatest, the most powerful play that they have at the moment in my mind is the LBGT whatever community is taking that ability that even concept, that idea that a family is yin plus yang equals baby, you know, sun, earth, moon, all of that, taking that away, taking that purpose away so that now we, we are just in search of and chasing our preferences and our fetishes. Sense. Again, if you do that over there, that's fine. But when that becomes the lifestyle, when that becomes what you found a, 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 a family on, and you begin to try to develop a community around that, it's counterproductive and it's illogical and it's totally emotional. So all of, and like I said, that's probably the most powerful tool, weapon that they, weaponization that they have at this point in time is, is you know, feminism and, and, and that, you know, that's a part of Planned Parenthood. They're all up into that because it's a woman's right to choose and all of that garbage. And uh, 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 so all of that goes into the weaponization of it. Planned Parenthood is very powerful and very central to that whole argument. Hello? Yeah, well, um, I'm, I'm going yeah. to jump in and add a little bit uh, <clears throat> to talk about the weaponization aspect of it. Because uh, I think I always say this, and uh, I've said it on different subjects, but I think it applies, is that when, we're, when you're dealing with any kind of technique or strategy that a person is using against you, you need to understand the mind of the people who developed this strategy to what what was their means, what were their uh, ends, what, what were they trying to accomplish. In economics, we learned the concept of uh, scarcity. And uh, in economics, it tells us that scarcity is what creates value. Well, you have a group of people that came from a land and a culture of scarcity. You have a group of people that, are, that were basically... Uh, uh, developed in an extremely cold environment, Europe, that was lacking basic food, plants, vegetables, fruit, things of this nature. And to them, in the way that they developed and came up, it seemed that the very land itself was against them. The very people was against them. The very animals was against them. You heard in the in the in the normal phrases that Europeans use: "It's a dog eat dog world." These concepts, these ideas come from that that background of scarcity. And when that people that had a mindset of scarcity came out into the rest of the world and quote unquote discovered 
other groups of people in other lands, these other groups of people all over the planet did not have a mindset of scarcity. They had a mindset of abundance. They believed that it was more than enough. So anyway, coming with this mindset of scarcity, when you believe like this, not only as an individual belief, but as a cultural norm, then your mind state is at any time I could lose what we have. It's too many people. There's not enough food. There's not enough water. There's not enough land. We need to take as much as this as possible, and we need to eliminate and stop the growth of other people who could basically compete with us for these resources. And and this is basically what I'm what I'm getting at with why this type of uh, technique would be developed overall. Why you would want to stop uh, uh, people from producing and people from developing in a uh, in, the overall, <clears throat> in, in this overall society. And, and I just wanted to add that point because I wanted to just go into the mind state and what motivates this type of thing. Because some people would listen to this and be like, why would people be so devious that they would want to stop people from having children? That's just insane. And, you know, people think, I mean, even in China, there are limitations placed on how many kids a, a, a family can have. And uh, in certain places in the world, the, the women are not seen as valuable as the men, but sometimes the girls are even killed as babies. So this is something that, that, that has to be understood what, what creates or what motivates this type of thinking and this type of behavior. And, and that speaks to that, uh, that weaponization. But go ahead, Wa. I think you had some you could say. Yeah, but basically what I was going to do, and you kind of went in, in the direction I was going in, was go, going off our platform in dealing with self-determination. We say we want the power to practice self-determination and determine the destiny of our community. So when you're talking about determining the destiny of the community, when you think community, you're basically thinking of a situation or an environment that has to do with the multitude of family units. Family units creating a common unity. That common unity has to do with an area that was the most conducive to bring about uh, an environment to raise, bear children, con- uh, raise a family, like you would say, continue forward with your lineage and provide and offer what you have for the world, whatever level that may be. But if you talk about, from the Panther perspective, you talk about us as a people creating a condition to where we are able to de- determine the destiny of our, of our community. And, and, and to operate self-determined. Being that we are the largest consumer, I would say as a group, African-American, the largest consumer in the world population, what? Why, why would they, why would you say African-American? Uh, because African-Americans are the, are the greatest consumers. If you look at our spending habits. African-American, African-American. Oh, my bad. African captives in America. Okay, my 20 bad. Twenty years. Twenty years. Sorry. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It, it, it's a bad habit. It's a bad habit, like drinking coffee. Okay. Let me say it. Us here, in terms of consumer, in, in terms of our, the way we consume things, right? The when it comes to the corporate environment, when it comes to the United States, or when it comes to any engine that needs to fuel this economy based upon the circulation of the dollar and based upon the way that dollar operates and how that dollar moves. 
if we as a people were to start controlling our destiny, then we will be getting into what I, the chairman often says is accountable spending. When we talk about accountable spending, now we talk about us actually valuing what we spend our dollar on, actually taking, a, taking the time and think about how we can make that community benefit that I live in benefit from the use of that dollar. So that, 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 that actual economic currency now becomes, is viewed as an actual community resource. Whereas we don't really view our, our spending habits as a resource within our community. So going into that, that right there would create a detriment to the current system that's in place. Just like anything else, going back to the example I used in nature, when you have an environment that is reproducing, now I'm not even talking about a natural reproduction now, I'm talking about the economic reproduction model that's in place. The economic reproduction model that this country thrives off of has to maintain the rate of reproduction that it, that it is used to to sustain itself on the course that it is moving towards. Anything that is going to attempt to alter that course of reproduction is a threat. If I am in a position of, of government, then I, it is my job to maintain and make sure I think, you know, decades ahead, going back to what we talked about when we're dealing with planned communities and planned developments and planned operations, if you are running a society or, you, or, you, or you're in a position where you are dealing with the conglomeration or the control of, the, of, of masses, then you have to think about things years, decades ahead. In doing so, I have to put myself in a position of recognizing that I need to make sure I have some parameters and some safe holds in place to prevent that collective amount of people that is vastly creating my wealth from ever being in a position to where they would no longer contribute to my current position of economic growth and power that I am also protecting for the near future. So, that was where that weaponization aspect and sterilization comes in. Again, we're talking about planned parenthood against the African. And so the projected dehumanization process has to do with the acceptance situations and conditions that work against a natural tendency for us to be able to define and develop our destiny and have the control of our destiny. So that in itself, that essence, that thought process in itself has to be sterilized. So what you do, now we get into the mental concept of what we're talking about. So what you do is you have to make sure that population mentally is sterilized and neutralized against the, the concept of being a self-determined people. But you can do that. And at the same time, make sure they are consumed using that, 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 lust, that lust for acquiring adds to that. And that is why the entertainment industry is so important, and that is why the sex industry itself is so important. So going into the weaponization of that, I want to say, and, and I don't know a whole lot about drugs, so I'm only going to use these references lightly, but I've been told that crack cocaine 
feels better or gives you a better sensation than sex. Prior to those concepts, or even using that as a concept, knowing that sex feels so good that it causes the human to naturally want to do more of it, unless they know how to obviously can control themselves or you moderate anything. Why would I not want to use this hormone or this, this feeling or this chemical against this population? It is something that is naturally there. It is something that it, I don't have to, you know, create a, a real hard extraction in order to use it, but it's already, it's already in place. So what I do is I give them the, give them the overbearing freedom to express their sexuality. And I make that sexuality work to my advantage because working that sexuality goes against the underlying conditions of reproduction. In a society that is about raising and bearing and having accountability to your offspring. So from that standpoint, that accountability to that offspring typically limits how much seed you're going to go out and spread because there's accountability. So how do I want to offset that accountability and give you more access to the feeling, to the chemical and the, the, the pleasurable part of this sexuality to work to the advantage of being able to control the population? I do that by changing the dynamic structure of what it means to have a family, what is acceptable in terms of sexuality and the expression thereof. And by doing that, I naturally create a condition and an environment to where it will produce and yield the results that I want as somebody that is involved in population management. What is population management? It is the management of human population control tasked with the process of implementing control measures to a targeted, projected growth, reproduction, and natural resources required to sustain a specific society. The specific society we're talking about right now is the one that creates the condition that continues to oppress the African um, heritage, the African condition, the African expression, the African culture, the African way of life and prop all up their specific brand of what it means to be in power. So that in itself has to create safeguards, which is the weaponization we're talking about. It only makes sense. It only makes sense that naturally, just no different than our skin, naturally protects the rest of the body as the largest cell structure naturally protects the rest of the body of the external forces. So if I am a, in a position of power, why would I not exercise that same natural concept upon my enemy? And now when I say enemy, it don't necessarily mean that, oh, I, I, hate, I hate this or I hate that directly. It just, it just basically could mean I love having control. I love having dominance over the planet. And so, therefore, in order to do so, I have to make sure I create countermeasures to prevent other people that go against my methodology of having dominance over the planet from being in any position to be able to exercise their dominance or their a, a, a position of suppressing my dominance. And so, oftentimes, emotional highs are hate, 
can be used as a tool to do so. But don't get it twisted. When we talk about sterilization, we're talking about the weaponization, no matter how it is being used or what it is being used for. The end result is to create and continue the condition that allows the current flow and the current status to continue the course that it's on, I must prevent us, the black people, they must, let me say that, they must prevent the black people from practicing self-determination and being able to determine the destiny of their community, which is, again, working against African parenthood. Population management, one-on-one. The next factor within that would be codependency. You create a relationship in which a person is physically or psychologically addicted are conditioned to a specific pattern that renders them incapable of operating from a position of self-control. That goes right back into what I mean when I say using the, the natural tendency that sex, sex hormones generate against itself, against that population. You target them with the things that are already there. And those things can be per, per, uh, uh, insinuated or projected as being freedoms. And by doing you have the freedom, you have the right to express your sexuality, you have the right to be whatever you feel like inside. Come on. We don't see through that. Why? Because, again, it, 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 it binds to those comforts. It binds to those concepts that basically allow me as an individual to thrive, me as an individual to seek pleasure, me as an individual to have comfort. And no matter what the cost of it, it is to the family, we have to recognize, and this goes back to, to reasoning, critical thinking, and nonlinear thinking, should I say, that oftentimes just because something feels good or just because you want to do something don't mean that it's the best thing for you to do. And oftentimes just because you are capable of, of doing something in, a, in an excessive form doesn't mean you should, no matter what. You know, you can be talking, we could be talking about a superfood or we could be talking about a, a, a type of substance that obviously what you put into your body is healthy. But if you have it in, a, in excess, then it, at that point is it indulging. And once you get into the category or the, the habitual pattern of indulgence, now you're crossing the line. Now you're crossing over into the areas to where it's all about you. It's all about your emotions. It's all about the now, and you're not thinking on the future because you're, you're eliminating years from your life or you're eliminating years of reproduct, reproduction from the gene pool. You're eliminating that thought pattern not alone just the physical, but the thought, the mental, the psychological, and every, the spiritual, and everything that goes into it because of your indulgence. So your indulgence have worked against you as a weapon. You don't want to accept it. Why? Because it feels good not accepting it. So we put our blinders on. Now, putting those blinders on calls us to go into what I refer to as an answer, Versus a solution. Oftentimes, we want an answer. We don't want a solution. 
because that solution hurts. An answer can feel good because it, 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 it gives you the perception that, okay, I can do this and progressively change, or I can do this and put a percentage of limit on my activities but still indulge in my activities. But if we talk about a solution, now we're talking about the eradication of the process that created the condition for you to be um, enslaved in the first place or created the condition for you to not be able to determine what it is to deal with as it applies to being in control of your own destiny. So see, do our people want an answer or do they want a solution? Because an answer, with an answer, you can dance around homosexuality. You can dance around all of the things that have became accepted in this so-called free society. But if you get into the solution, you got to hurt some people's feelings. You got to hurt some, hurt some people's lifestyles. You got to get people to change who they are and what they are. And quite often, you get into a point to where so many of us mentally and psychologically may have crossed beyond a, a, a point of no return. So in essence, you're asking us to kill ourselves. So unfortunately, do we want a answer or we want a solution? You see, and, that, and that's when it really starts hurting. But when we're talking about projected dehumanization plan against African parenthood, that only be effective if it was a solution. And it was a solution that was fabricated, created, drafted, implemented, and allowed to run that pre- prevents us from practicing, properly practicing self-determination as a people. And it creates a spinoff direction which will put us against a proper path for a well-organized, well-developed, well-productive, well-moving-forward, beyond uh, oppression plan of parenthood within the African body. And so it hurts. It hurts, people. I know. I get it. I'm not bashing homosexuality. I'm simply bringing into light a greater level of recognition on how these things that we call freedoms, which are basically the freedom to indulge, is the American lifestyle and American way of life. The freedom to indulge people itself is the greatest weapon being used against us because individually it causes us to lack self-control. Lacking self-control will play a the humongous part on your ability to be a non-linear thinker and a critical thinker. And therefore, your lifestyle will spin off in a direction that refutes to be able to bring back to the African-centered value that is necessary for us to elevate ourselves beyond the levels of oppression, oppression that we're complaining about in the first place. Man, I know it's a paradox. I'm going to turn the mic over to one of y'all. <laughs> Let me uh, hold on. I'm gonna let you stay on it. Well, I'm gonna ask a question because you opened up this can of worms, so I want you to express this, or maybe he got something to say on this. You have mentioned homosexuality a few times, so a direct question. 
do you believe that homosexuality is one of those things that's detrimental to the liberation of black people? Yes, I do. Well, unfortunately, I do. Well, well let's, because we're talking about it from the stand. Let me say this, and then I, I shut up. We're talking about it from the stand in the position of what is our percentage of that we are reproducing people that are adding to our struggle for liberation versus those that we are, are contributing to adding to the constant generation of the fascist environment that is raising up the elitists and raising up the position of more and more domesticated uh, offspring. So that's where I'm coming from. I'm coming from the position of, of the revolutionary mindset that wants to create a condition of liberation. And in doing so, having indulgence as a way of life is counterproductive to the discipline necessary to have a clear mind, a clear reference, and a clear frame to be able to have a targeted position of power. Now I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> well, E, you have some youth to say whatever. I'm going to agree, disagree. I'm going to do both. The The so African people are the most accepting people on the face of the planet. And homosexual acts have existed, always existed, to whatever degree. It's only now that there's an actual community, culture, that is a thing. It's not this preference. It's that this fetishness preference, like so many other things, is out of control, that it is encouraged, that it has taken on a life of itself that's detrimental, you know, in, in uh, way back time in our community, if that was someone's preference or whatnot, they were kind of, I don't say ostracized, because they weren't ostracized, they it, it, it was it was okay. Well, you do that over there, and then come back when you're done or whatever. It was something that was understood, but it was something that was kept in its place, so to speak, kept its arms arms distance, you know, arms length. Whereas today, if you don't accept this as a whole, you're you know homophobic. If you have a difference of opinion about the 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 lifestyle then you're homophobic, then it's a problem. It's not an issue when it's this small, small, small part of the community, but when you have ever-growing numbers, and let's face it, these numbers are booming out of control, it's fashionable is really the problem. It's a mark of your progressiveness. It's a mark of your willingness to be open and accept other people. There are no more... Uh, supposedly, the idea is that there are no more progressive, open, forward-thinking than those members of the LBTQ whatever community. You know, they are the the uh, uh, poster child for progressive thinking in this society. Unfortunately, so it's not that you want to have sex, or that this guy wants to have sex with this guy. That's the problem. Y'all can handle that somewhere else, someplace else, and that's not my business. Again. 
That's how it once was until it became a political football before it became a movement and a lifestyle and began getting pushed and a way in and of itself to neutralize us. Because if you notice, the more footing they gain, the more organization they gain, that community gains, the less of a voice we have. Whenever they talk about civil rights these days, we're like the second or third or fourth group of people to get brought up. You know, you get uh, uh, folks from immigration, you get uh, the LBTT, whatever community brought up, and then later on they'll get to our issues. Whereas we started this shit. We started this fight. And it, and I guess it's it, it, greatest example for me is the idea that, or the fact that whenever you engage somebody from that community, one of the first things that they want to do is to try to liken what they've gone through, supposedly what they're going through, to what we've gone through, as if there's some correlation between our struggles. No, there's not. And for me, that's probably the greatest issue with that so-called movement, is that it keeps getting lumped into what with what we're doing, and there's no there's no kinship there. One has nothing to do with the other. One is a choice. One is something you want to do, you know. And I've said it, and I'll say it again. I have. There's not even a clear definition of what it was, and you know, we like to build off of definitions. I can define for you what an what an African is, even though it's the the idea of race is bullshit. I can still give you a definition, but people will try to throw out the idea that the homosexual and bi and all of that has to do with love and you can't choose who you love and, and all of this nonsense. Number one, I can choose who I love. I'm I'm at least that much in control of my emotions. Number two, I love Brother Sykes. I love Brother War. Have never had any desire to be with them in any way sexual whatsoever. I hope not. Uh, if it's if, if homosexuality <laughs> is based on love, is our relationship homosexual? Because I love y'all. So, you know, it, it, it's that type of non-definition definition that becomes an issue. Because, again, it plays into the legitimizing of your self-indulgence. I just want to do this, so I'm going to do it. And it's a slippery slope that we continue to ice skate down and think that we're moving ahead when in reality we're slipping off the side of this, this, this uh, cliff, not realizing that we're, we're allowing, once again, what our legitimate problem is, what our issues are, to be taken over and co-opted by this whole other thing that's not even a real thing. So, and, and I see, um, uh, uh, Ward, there's, there's a caller there. Um, you want to go ahead and, and handle that? Take care of your responsibilities, bro. All right, so we got a caller that uh, wants to jump in and answer the discussion, and, and and let me say this before the call even gets in, just to just 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 to make sure I create my disclaimer. This conversation is not meant to bash homosexuality. We're simply talking about the concept and sexuality being used as a spinoff to get us to be out of control and to allow our um, indulgence to be used as a weapon against us overall as it applies to African liberation. So caller ending in 
6050. Your mic is hot. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you doing? Um, Can you hear me? Yes, sir. We can hear you. Go ahead, brother. Okay. Great discussion. I think one of the first things that need to be done is that you have to protect the children. And I can't remember the percentages, but I think there was a vast majority of people who were gay when they were asked, had they ever been touched or molested as a child, they said, yes, that's how they were introduced into it. So the first thing you have to do is protect the children. That's the first thing, because it's almost like when when you mess with people's sexuality, it's almost like it's like a vampire thing. You know, the vampire goes and bites somebody, and then they turn into a vampire, and then they go bite somebody and turn into a vampire. That's the first thing. You want to protect them so that they don't become confused about their sexuality and so forth, right? We hear this with, you know, people who had some serious mental issues that are prominent, you know, like Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was messed with. That's why he's had mental issues, and he's, he's you know, he's admitted that. Um, you know, uh, sport NBA players, you know, former NBA players have come out and said, that, yeah, it was a sport. You know, Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, people like that. He said that's why he got onto drugs, because to deal with what happened to him. So the first thing we have to do is protect the children. Um, that's number one. Number two, if you're going to come up with a, a, a some type of way to, to go forward with black empowerment and black liberation, then you have to create an alternative. And what I mean by that is you have to create an alternative that people can measure and say, you know, this is what this is, this society is like, and that's what that society is like, and I choose the other society. I choose a society where there's strong families and people are happy and, you know, they may not have as much as the other society, but they seem to be healthier and, and that type of thing. And I think that goes into solutions <laughs> and goes into results. And getting things done if, if if we're saying That there's a certain way to live And a certain way we should live That will Make us happier and healthier And whole as a people Then there's got to be some way And maybe this is just a technologist in me You know There has to be some way To actually do it Even on a very small scale So that people can see And say whoa that's pretty nice. Like that's, yeah. I, I want to live over there. I, I want to be with these people, man. They're doing it right. That feels right. I want to do that. To hold that up as an alternative to the society that they live in now, it's going to take some work. But you know, we've already seen 19 families buy you know land in Georgia as as an example. Now, what they're going to do with that, I have no idea. But there needs to be an example to hold up and not just, not just all of us, you know, not just talking and theorizing. We have to hold up an example. And I think that's what will bring people over to that side. I want to get you guys thoughts. on. Cool. Cool. I'm going to mute you real quick. I'm going to mute you, brother. Hey, let me, let me first throw this out. Let me, let me throw this out and then I'll let you jump in. I think one of the, the greatest things to, 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 for us to address 
and overcome is the definition of happiness. Because I use the example I had that we, we dealt with as, as a Panther Party uh, back in the day, and, and we still have to deal with this as a people, is the average uh, hood brother on the street corner making a profit through drug dealing versus that same brother possibly working a nine-to-five job bringing in an income. Happiness to that brother is having two, three, four thousand dollars a week, being able to not have to deal with the balancing or even care how to balance a checkbook, how to balance what my spending habits are, having to balance out or worry about how I need going about buying groceries, keeping a roof over my head, paying for medical expenses for my mom who's a diabetic and this and this and so on and so forth. That person is happy to a certain degree. Why? Because they have a certain level of financial freedom that causes debt to rational, causes them to rationalize or overlook the fact that they are operating from a position that is creating self-destruction overall to their community. Whereas their, their individualized family and their, their small circle, see, this goes back to what I was talking about when we talked about self-determination. See, the deal is, if I have a narrowed view of happiness, then everything within my immediate vicinity is doing good, doing well. And that's what I'm pushing, and that's what I'm, I'm approaching, and that's how I'm living. And that's where that term comes from, how am I living? That's how I'm living. See, we have to be careful about a lot of the propaganda, again, which is a weaponization of sterilization through rap that's used in all other forms of music. It's not just rap. All music forms of music have been used as a weapon, but in particularly my generation as it comes to rap, not hip-hop, but rap. So that brother who is able to pull in two to $4,000 a week has a certain level of financial freedom. Remember, I use that word freedom. They have a, a, a certain level of financial freedom versus the concept of financial accountability. So from that standpoint, what is the difference between the happiness that they're able to generate by looking the other way on the damage that they're doing collectively across the board to our people and to the community, any community, versus somebody who's holding down a nine-to-five job and has to account to every little dime that they make because they don't have enough money to go around to be able to deal with any level of indulgence, but they have to select and, and narrow it down to a specific, maybe minor indulgence that they're only able to do on a Saturday night at a club. Back when we had clubs, I know that's, that, that may be new to some generations, but back when we actually had clubs, you know, last year. So from that standpoint, how as African liberators, do we transition the concept of what happiness means to a dysfunctional individual to accept the type of happiness that we're talking about when we're able to deal with self-determination as a people in terms of that being our pride and joy, that being our, our message? Because that concept, especially in the phases that we're dealing with now, being that we're behind enemy lines, being that we're living from or operating from a, uh, a, a, a situation to where we're dealing with being in war and not having our own home front to operate from, 
that we control. So from that standpoint, how do we define and equate our happiness and win over the happiness of that, what we refer to as dysfunctional? They may look at us as dysfunctional. So from that standpoint, how do I equate my dysfunctionality to your dysfunctionality, to my happiness, to your happiness, and want you to buy into this? Because then it gets into this back-and-forth game about, well, who seems to be better off? Well, now you have to define what better off is. You see, it can escalate and it can continue to go in a, a, a perpetual situation to where it's us versus them and, and them versus us, and now you, 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 you're dealing more or less with a popularity con- contest. So hopefully what we're working toward is conditioning the mind of the youth, and this is where Brother E always comes in in, in hitting that point, to already have the safeguards in place to where they have a they, – they, they, when they're introduced to these, these other dysfunctionalities we're talking about, they're able to already critically think and, 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 and be able to have the discipline not to allow their indulgence to run wild to the point to where that indulgence overtakes the ability to be able to see things on a larger level in terms of the damage that I am doing to my community versus the uh, the exchange that I may be able to, to take in for my small little clique or group. But be able to look at the African family as a collective, an African family, and, and that being the happiness. So is you know what I'm doing and what I'm throwing out there to the to the listening audience is I want people to really take a step back and look at what defines their happiness because when we're talking about parenting parenthood just like the brother said and actually I'm gonna throw this out there and I'm, this might cause uh, he may change what he want to say but I myself because I've conquered it I don't mind talking about it to the whole world. I was a victim of molest of being molested. I was a victim, and that brother hit it right on the on the head, the nail right on the head when he said the vampirism. Because when I was molested as a child, this was from I think from the ages I think I was from between five and nine years old when I was getting molested. And from that standpoint, what it caused me to do is question sexuality. Before I was exposed to a woman or a girl sexually, I'm exposed to another dude. So as a teenager, it caused me to fight and battle with my natural tendency to find women or girls attractive into thinking that it's it's supposed to be boys. Why? Because at a young age to where you ain't supposed to be dealing with sexuality at that damn year, young of age, it is being turned on, and it is being turned on through indulgence. There is no reason for children at all to be dealing with sex at that dang age, especially as a toy, because that's what it is. It's a level of indulgence. That level of indulgence being exposed to me at that early young of age to that degree would obviously cause me to want to indulge again, and it will put you in a position if you are not a greater person later on in your life to where you're going to try to pass on that same genetic, not genetic, I apologize, that same deviant act that was exposed to you to another boy. 
or another man and then move it on and you keep it going on and you keep passing on, like he said, vampirism. And that is real. That is what happens. And so, unfortunately, when it, when it comes to that, we have to recognize that as a behavior. That, is, that, is, that from that position, it's a behavior and it was a weapon. Luckily, I was strong enough to allow my natural tendencies and what my body was actually telling me to be able to overcome that. But in saying so, those trials and tribulations, those years that I suffered not knowing what the hell I was or what I should be, does impact my ability and, and would impact anybody's ability to be able to be an early onset critical thinker, to cause them to be able to do greater things. Because when you took me off my path of greatness at that point in time, no telling what I could have accomplished, no telling where I would have been. And I'm not having hindsight because I'm not ashamed of where I am now, but what I'm getting at is you altered a path. You altered a natural growth. You altered a natural position of empowerment that that child would have. That in itself, again, is why I'm saying indulgence. Okay, I'm not, you know, going into the whole homosexuality thing as a whole, but the indulgence factor of sex being used as a weapon takes us off our course, takes us off our discipline game takes us off a position of defining properly what happiness should be versus what is being promoted and projected at, at, at being. Now, buddy, I'm going to let you talk. I'm going to turn uh, a caller uh, 6050. I'm going to make your, your mic back hot, but I'm going to let E jump in or, or Sight jump in first. <laughs> so go ahead, y'all. Uh, now, now, now that you make me feel real uh, uncomfortable and awkward with all of that personal private sharing and whatnot you got into there, you kind of made it a little bit heavy, bro. But I, hey, I'm, we want to empower the people. You, you, you wound it up with that because I was wondering for a while what the hell you were talking about um, with the whole the happiness thing uh, that you were getting into. Um, you know, which I don't disagree with any of it, but um, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, in, in addressing what, what the brother was saying, it's, it, you know, we've talked about this before, that the, the reality is most people who, at least in my experience, most of the folks that have, that have chosen this, this lifestyle have a history of some type of sexual uh, uh, misconduct in their life. They were molested, raped, something along those lines. But even training it just even to actual straight-out sexual acts, fathers not being present in a child's life oftentimes can end up contributing to that because especially when you have little girls who aren't able to relate to a man because their father wasn't in the home, so they have this block which gets built upon by these other experiences of malehood. I can't even call it manhood, but boyhood and, and malehood um, that they encounter over their lifetime tend to build up and to, uh, to continue to warp their, their perception of what manhood is. And um, I, I talked to this one, one sister that was, quote, unquote, married to, a, to, a, to another woman, and 
excuse to try to get me to like troubleshoot her relationship issues. And I told her I wasn't, I'm not, I wasn't going to go there, but I did, you know, that's not my, I'm not trying to help improve your gay relationship. I'm just not going to do it. But I did, she did at one point say something that, that I really liked. And that was that she honestly thought that it was going to be easier to have a relationship with a woman than with a man. So it just feeds into that idea of the confusion of what these relations are, what they're supposed to be, what they've become. And, um, you know, to the at least one of the, the caller's points, um, it, it's absolutely necessary, I concur, that we have these working examples of family, extended family, uh, uh, communities that we're able to hold up as examples. And we do have those. Unfortunately, those don't get prime time. They don't get, you know, the limelight. They don't get talked about and discussed because they're not, you know, entertaining. They're not indulgent. They're not, they don't, they don't have that, you know, get me high type of quality that I would tune into TV or even have a conversation and gossip about. Ain't no, ain't no fun hearing gossip about somebody's baby daddy that's actually paying child support. Ain't no fun hearing about the man who came home to take care of his kids. That's not that's not fun. That's not interesting. Everybody talks about how they don't like drama. In reality, we love drama as long as it's somebody else's drama. So we don't hear about those things in our community that do exist. And so when we do hear about those things, find out about those things, it would be, you know, beneficial to us to discuss them, to propagate them, to prop them up so that they spread like a vampire. Uh, uh, would spread like a virus would spread, but I would concur. It's absolutely uh, uh, fundamental in the community, in the so-called gay community, that there has been some type of damage, particularly as a child, you know. And then the whole feminist feminism movement comes along behind that, and we all know that the uh, feminist uh, feminism and that whole movement was really just a breeding ground, a, a training ground for uh, uh, um, uh, gay women, to, to, for, for, for lesbians to recruit other lesbians and to, you know, to grow their community, um, their so-called community. So, yeah, all of these, all of these factors are, are going into uh, the, the destruction of parenthood. We have no, we don't even, it, I see so many, I've spoken with so many sisters that struggle and are having, it's crazy, some of the same struggles mentally, emotionally, in dealing with their children that I've seen brothers use as an excuse or use as a reasoning to not be around. You know, it's difficult. They talk all the time. They laugh, basically their children. And so now I'm seeing more and more sisters having these same complaints when I don't recall that being the case years ago. You know, brothers, yeah, they don't have the patience for it. The women do 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 Now, women are starting, I think, maybe to collapse under that pressure, and that's where it's going to get really shitty for our community is if, if, if sisters break down, continue to break down, and move down that path to the point that there's no one, there's actually absolutely no one to go to bat for our children. You know, and, and you see, I, I concur again with another point that the caller made that it is absolutely paramount. It's an absolute must that um, that we protect. And and I gotta, I, I'm going to call us, I'm going to take this opportunity to call out brothers, you know, 
We failed. Period. We have failed miserably. There's no way any cop or any institution should be able to do the damage to black women that they've been able to do without any type of repercussion. There's no way any cop should be able to harm, especially on video, a black woman, and that cop still walk the fucking street. So it makes sense that sisters are looking for some other place to go because, I'm sorry, niggas ain't doing the shit. Niggas are not taking care of their business. That is like rule number one. You don't let fuck with your women, period. And I hold myself to that. I hold all of us to that. There should not be any sisters involved out on the front lines. And what is that, in, in fact, no, what is that called? Fat, fat in, in fact, whatever that group is that's out there now with the rifles and guns, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just don't, the letters that I have. NFAC? Yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, that group. There should be any sisters in that position out there on the front line. Not that they can't do it. It's not their fucking job. Women are not made for that. Women are not built for that psychologically. Physiologically, none of it. It's not their position to go out there and knuckle up with other dudes. It's just not. So the fact that there are so many women out there on the front line is fucked up because it means that there's just that many more men who haven't stepped into the role or males who have not stepped into the role as men, as protectors of our community to make sure that the women and the children are protected and taken care of. So I see that there's another call there, Wolf uh, 3362. You want to uh, buzz in there? I don't even bring Call it 3362 Your mic is hot Peace Great show man Great show guys Listen I wanted to, A couple of things I wanted to say One A question And I want oh, to play devil's this, advocate This is our chairman Chairman You need to announce yes, sir. yourself As the chairman man. Go ahead <laughs> <laughs> This is Chairman Yank Man it's a wonderful show But listen I want to play devil's advocate uh, about and I heard you, Chief Ward, when you were talking about you know the sex and the whole thing being used as a weapon, and even uh, the particular community come up. Wouldn't some say that it is sounding more like that this revolutionary movement is becoming a moralistic movement? Isn't that a more more? Uh, isn't that more of a moral, social acceptance issue, or as far as a revolutionary issue? And then secondly, that's one question. And then my second question is for Brother E, which one of my favorite brothers. Brother, that almost sounds very close to being sexist, saying that women, I mean, where do you get that? Is there, I mean, where do you get that women aren't equipped for combat? And and, and I'm not saying about, like, just strength and stuff, but to say that it almost sounds sexist and it almost sounds like that we regulate women to a position that is, uh, I don't know, I don't want to get into the whole thing, but it, it sounds very... Uh, Western and patriotic, patriotic in, in, in what you're saying when we know from Africa there have been plenty of women warriors and generals that have fought and won and led great nations. So to say that our women are, um, are not built for that psychologically and physically, I don't know, man. It's, it's troubling waters. Would you please care to expound? And thank you, guys, man. Great show, too, Psyche and War. Y'all do y'all fizzle, man. All right. You want hey, Mike Hot Hey, Warf, you, you and the chairman, yeah. that, that second question, I don't know what, what the subject is, uh, uh, Brother Yanga, for y'all's show next week, if y'all have already decided, but because we've only got 20 minutes left, that's a whole conversation in and of itself right there, because I like that. 
And I like you calling in, and I like you, you know, pick a fight. That's good. I like that. That's, that's all right. War and and fight are going to make this point. Hey, hey, listen, we, it's we, my turn to run the show play. only if you come on. Am I getting it right here okay. live on the Panther 48? Am I getting a commitment from E and Chief? I know you'll be on, won't you? And maybe in psych, you weren't on last week, for you guys to come in. You going to be there? I'll be there. I'll be there. Hey, yeah. right on, man. Then, then, then you help me with the topic. Hey, I'm going to sit back and listen. Okay. I know we only got 20 minutes, but uh, do what you do, and I'm going to sit back yeah. and listen. Thanks again. So, so uh, Well, I know you're going to eat this up, so go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I'm only going to say one thing on that, on that last uh, part, and I'm going to use it just from the standpoint of being able to get us to muster up, but then I do want you to go into – we're going to save the, the meat for the next show. The point I get and, I, and what I take away from it is to pressure us men to be more out to stand in the front, to pressure us to go ahead and get off our ass mentally and psychologically to where our women don't have to bear the weight of the family. Because, again, going back to parenthood, the way I look at it is, when I talk about the equality, I talk about the fact that the man and the woman both play a cool role in the bearing and the raising, properly raising of a child, the properly raising of, of the unit mm-hmm. structure that's called a family. That's what equality means to me when it comes to that, that scenario. And from that stance, the idea here is to push and project that men, we cannot allow the woman to have to do 51%, period. That's the way I take it. Go ahead, call it. Um, I'd like to say something on that point. Yeah, Yeah. I'd like to say something on that point. Um, You, 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 I know he says that you know maybe uh, you know women should be able to do that, but then that goes to the role, right? So if a woman is being a mother. Can't she go out there and chop off a man's head and still be able to go back and be a there mom, go. be feminine, and be a woman? There you go. That is the question. And we all know that femininity thrives best when there is leisure, where there is peace. According, according to what social and cultural standards? You know, that's a damsel industry. I, here's my fear, that we're taking Rapunzel that we're taking Western ways and making our women into that's the damsel in distress. Who says that they can't go lie? I mean, I would hate for it to happen, but who says? Because our women have had to do it. They have had to do some of the most atrocious things to come back and have raised some of the finest human beings in uh, civilization. Malcolm X's mother was com- insane, committed. You know, so, I mean, um, when I, I look do at you what standard we're judging black in, women in, by, in you know, I think black in women war. have the capability and possess the ability to be warriors and be mothers. Well, like we possess the well, ability to be warriors and be fathers. I, 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 I want to say, there's, I want to say, a I, I think, wait, difference between men and women. Let me say and, what he said. The key word he said before you jump in is can be, but should they have to be? Exactly. I think we're, I think we're basically just talking about could they have the, to, the, should, should they have to go into battle and be raped and have to cut off heads? Should they have to be? And I think that's a great point. And, well, and you have to tune in, in next Sunday I, at 8 I, to find out 
what <laughs> the yeah. real bottom. Yeah. And I, and I so I, I'm going to leave mine there. Definitely, I'm going to put the plug out. Tune in next Sunday at 8. Same number. Caller, caller, caller. At, at, at 6050, caller. What is your name? I only keep calling you by number. What, what is your name, bro? <laughs> Pat, the name is Patrick. And I'm calling from Toronto, okay, Patrick. by the way. Yeah. You calling from where? Toronto. Okay. Ooh. Oh, nice. Oh, we international. That's dope. I want to say, <laughs> brother, I'm a, I'm a beg you. I'm a please, please call in next week because we don't have time. I think to give proper, you know, respect to this topic. And I think it's something that needs to be discussed just because of what uh, uh, brother Yanger brought up. So I'm gonna ask you to please, please call in next week at the same time to the same number to, to continue this conversation. Because, you know, you brought some, some fire to the conversation, and like I said, it needs to be discussed. But the, the other thing is on the first question that uh, Yang had asked was the moralistic aspect of it. And from and that's what I, I, I thought War was going to go into is the idea that this is not – we're not playing moral police simply because this is not a moral issue. Morals are based on somebody's emotions. Something is only uh, uh, good or moral – because it makes you feel a certain way. If you dislike it, then it's bad, and it's not a good moral thing to, to uphold and all that. That's what religion is for. We don't get into that. But the logic of it, the idea of it, is that you cannot build a community based on homosexual relationships. There's confusion that exists, and there's so much confusion, that's absolute. When you have the LBT, whatever community, has not only these, what is it, four or five letters or whatever it is, the LBG, all of that, it's been expounded to some places to, to 12 and 13 letters because they keep adding different lifestyles. you got queer, you got questionable, mm-hmm. wow. you got, you know, dominance, all of that getting added to it because there's no definition. Because like I said, when you bring it back to it and say, well, what is homosexuality? Is it based on love? No, because I love other men. What it must be based on? Say, well, no, it's not. That it, it, nobody has a clear, clear cut definition and understanding of what it is they're even working toward. So our position is purely logical. And that, again, I say, as I said, you cannot build a community off of uh, uh, relationships that are indulgences. It makes you feel good, so you're going to do it. You, that's fine. That's fine for your life. Do that. But don't try to build a community based on doing what you feel because it feels good because I can open that up, and that's a slippery slope. You can have sex with, with children. You can have sex with donkeys. You can do whatever drugs you want because it feels good. If that's your justification, if, if matter of fact, I was watching Dave Chappelle last night, and, 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 <laughs> and um, he had this one point where he talked about, he was talking about this whole idea of being transgender. I feel like a woman on the inside. He said, well, would it be essentially what he was saying, and I'm not going to try to quote him because I'll never make it as funny anyway, but um, the, 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 if he started one day talking like the stereotypical Chinaman, you know, like that, and when people get upset, he said, hey, that's just the way I feel inside. I feel like a Chinese guy, so you have to accept me. So, so you, you keep getting into this can of worms that is not logical, that does not make sense because it's based on people's emotions. They are working off of morals. It feels good, so it is good. That's moral. That's not what we're saying. We're saying it's not beneficial, it's not developmental, 
It doesn't cultivate. It doesn't nurture. It's nothing historical that you have that can support it being a, uh, a productive lifestyle anywhere, anywhere on the face of the planet. That's the reason behind that position. Go ahead, bro. And we've seen this tried before. This is nothing new. The ancient yep. Greeks and Romans have tried this before, and it was a massive failure. <laughs> yep. All of the Greeks, yep. all of the Greeks, all the politicians, and any men that were of statue had a boy. And even their their scholars and their deep thinkers, Plato said that um, that women were just basically for, and I can't remember the quote, but women were basically for procreation. And the it. highest attention of love that could be had was between a man and a boy. This was their Ugh. this was their society. This is right, Plato. Man. This is supposed to be one of the great thinkers, right? It was called pederasty. Yep. The whole the whole notion of a gymnasium was where yep. the, the men on upper society could go, and little boys could go I because they would do the yep. showers yep. and, the, and the, all that kind of stuff with the boys. So we've tried this gym? before. This is nothing new. This is nothing at the new. gym, brother, brother. Yeah. At the gym, the word gym, the word gymnasium, yep. literally in Greek means right. naked game. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, 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 and y'all, have y'all heard of the whole thing yeah. of a mentor? Do y'all know who the mentor was? The no. mentor was the guy no. who hold, held the boys while the while the politicians yeah. traveled. That's nice. where the mentor thing came from. Wow. So we've tried this before, guys. It's been tried in history, and it failed miserably. Now they're trying to bring it back up and trying to make us go for it again like we don't, like we don't know history. It's like, y'all did this before. White people did this well, before, we, and it failed. Well, Matter of we fact, don't know history. Have, That's it. We've forgotten. <laughs> as a, as a, as a the, the, the white people in Europe, the white men in Europe, didn't have a notion of a man and woman in love, man and woman being the highest attainment of love, until they travel where? To Africa. Yes, sir. Where it's all over the pyramids, the man and the woman are all over everywhere, and it, that's where they learned it from. There was an antic, antagonistic relationship between men and women, and the only reason they got down with the women was to have children. That was it. That's right. And yeah, because today. women, women, women to that, to, women to them did not have souls, so therefore they was confined to the island of what? Lesbo, lesbo, lesbian. Yep. So even when you look at so, use that terminology, know that what you are saying about yourself is that I do not have a soul. Yeah, so, so, so we throw that fact out there. The one, the major thing that needs to be done is when you start talking about black empowerment, black liberation, that kind of thing, one of the things we have to do is we have to say, okay, what is the vision? What is it that we want? What is the ideal situation that we're trying to work toward? And until we can put that down on paper, we can't build the business requirements for it. We can't build all of the things that need to be built. So now we can walk, now we can work logically towards it. But we have to have some kind of vision of what it is that we're talking about. What do the schools look like? What do the hospitals look like? What does health look like? What is all those areas of people activity? And we talk about Neely Fuller's, you know, areas of people activity, economic entertainment. Yeah. 
you know, uh, labor, law, politics, religion, <laughs> sex, and war, and I'm, and I'm forgetting one of them in there. We, 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 and health, all of those things, we need to figure out what that looks like. We need to put on to no matter how pie in the sky it is, no matter what it is, you put it down, you figure it out, what, this is the end goal. Okay, now we know what it is. Now we can start logically working towards it. But I have a question. What because it's it's clear, like you talk about that antagonistic relationship between white men and their women. And even today, man, it exists. You see white men do not like their women. So what what was the role of the woman then? We know it was to have babies, was it to also take care of them? It was to take it was, yeah, a, it was a, to have the children and rear the children. Yeah, to take care of them while they were babies. Okay. Yeah, to, to, and to what about them. cooking for the men and stuff? Did they like take care of the men? They did take care, but it was more of a servitude type thing. The man didn't have yeah, okay, yeah. but they but even, they didn't, they even didn't fight God, wars. Did they, were they what they were they didn't fight wars and stuff, right? Oh, the women. Yeah. No, no. The women, more or less, they, they, that was their role. And okay. even their God, so what role, even their religion. So what role do you have for the new black women? I mean, is it for her, the new black woman you're talking about? Because you said, <laughs> you, you're you getting into your so show what, for, for next week, week Kevin. That's for next Take week. care of the children and raise the children. Week, I mean, save well, that for next he week. Huh? He's making a good point that we definitely need to go to next week. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I just, yeah. I'm just trying to. He made it. He made it now. He got logical on y'all. But uh, I want to okay. add something to this because I know we're thinking ready to close. He got extremely logical on y'all. You can't hate that. But uh, one, I think we need to develop a show on homosexuality because we talked about it and we need to talk about the social aspects. And like, and like Walt and he said, every single person who practices homosexuality I've ever met or ever talked to or ever asked a question to, they said that they had been molested. And I don't. I'm not claiming to know every homosexual person on the planet, just everyone I've ever talked to. So I think that that's something that has to be, needs to be dug into because this is a part of our community we're not looking at and like we like to ignore because it's extremely uncomfortable. So we like to ignore it and not look at it and talk about it, and it's, a, and it's an issue that a lot of people are actually truly dealing with. And two, the I, I, brother from uh, Toronto, <clears throat> he, he, he made some nice, nice points. And it's a thing that I always come back to that I truly believe that one of the number one answers or solutions to our liberations is peace, P-E-A-C-E, which is proper education always corrects errors. The brother was talking about blueprint, sitting down and understanding what that liberation looks like, looking at the areas of people activity, see the, the plant parenthood and all the tactics and techniques could not work on us if we was more educated, if the people was educated. I truly believe that the role of a revolutionary is to raise the consciousness of the people and educate the people. So the people have to have the proper information to make decisions from and to operate off of, and that becomes the revolutionary's job. And that's just simply what I want to add. But I look forward to the uh, to the show next week. I see a lot of information, great dialogue, and interesting debate coming out of that. Yeah, this dude is really I, got, I think I got three minutes. We got three minutes. We got three minutes. One of the things that probably should be done is while we're talking, someone should take, if we come up with a hardcore requirement, let's say one of the hardcore requirements is that, let's say as an example, based on this conversation tonight, children should be, should not be introduced 
to sex before a certain age in school or blah blah or or they you know you know whatever whatever it is that should be written down as a hardcore rule whenever we agree on something those things should be written down because that goes into what is it that we want that goes into that final vision right all of those things and there may be hundreds or thousands of those statements but that crafts what it is that we're talking about and what it is that we want these are things that are very, very important to do, or else we're going to keep talking in circles for the next how many more hundreds of years, right? Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. So and that's, that's they, something they that you know. Yeah, yep. We, we got to get to mm-hmm. a point where we say, okay, we know what we want. Now let's start putting it into practice. Now let's start figuring out how we're going to build this thing. We can't even get to that point because we haven't done the hard upfront work. First, so so, but it sounds like we're gonna end up you and somebody on this phone gonna end up exchanging emails, contact info, all that type of stuff to work on that and build on that because that's something that we've actually worked on and worked at deploying at various levels at various points in time over you know several years. But there's always a need to develop, redevelop, fine tune, maintain, reach out, and deploy. All of that, all of that that you're talking about, all of that that we're talking about, all of that. So yeah, it's going to be a point where we're going to have to exchange information because that that's not even going to be able to really be confined to a, a, a podcast. You know, that's going to be some real actual work that people don't really want to hear or or in general want to to have a big part in, which is part of the problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything you said, I don't think anybody disagrees with. I just need you to commit. To being here next Sunday, so I have some backup because I feel like me and Yanga gonna ride, we're gonna roll a little bit. <laughs> well, we, we got your information, meeting, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bug you. Absolutely, and when the meeting starts, you know that's when people start running. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so, you know, no doubt. Just be ready for that. That's when people start right running away. Absolutely. Right? Just make yeah. sure you stick around. That's all I ask. <laughs> if, you want, if you ever want to move to Florida, you know, I, I, I always need somebody to recruit and help me build. I'm down here by myself, so, you know, feel free to move down here to Florida. <laughs> yeah. time, that's, that's, that's one of the places I think I thought about coming when I come back to the U.S., so Florida Where might be a yeah. yeah. What part of Florida are you in? Like that. Huh, me? Yeah, what part I'm, of Florida I'm, are you I'm, in? Me, I'm about... I'm about halfway between Tampa and Orlando. Okay, man. I mean, I may, you know what? We have to do a thing because I'm down. I'm going to come down there. My father's from Florida. He's from Clearwater, Largo. Okay. And my sister's still in Largo. So, you know, I'm in Florida every now and then, man. I have to make sure I look you up, brother. Well, hit me up when All you right, get y'all. here. War? We're going to have to close the show out now. we got to close the show out, and we're going to continue next week with uh, more discussion in this. So with all that being said, people, all power to the people, all African power to African people, all power to a righteous people, black power, let's move forward, let's keep this thing going, listen honest, the idea is to elevate you. Peace. All power to the righteous people. Peace. Peace. We will be able to beat up that day.
and all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual. Mike the Hughes said America never was America to me. Disavow America will be. And that's the fundamental mistake that black people make about this country. I have a dream. They want to think about this country as they want it to be. Not at it is. I don't know what racism is. Not at it is always been. This is a white nationalist settler colony project. Man, I don't understand. I've never witnessed racism. And there are many millions of white people. People who Cultural movement. You never had that. 